Well, welcome once again to Voice of Reason Radio, or if you're watching on YouTube, the video version of Voice of Reason Radio. This is Chris Honholtz joining you on this 22nd of January, 2024, a few weeks into the new year already. And well, I'm already having to start muting stuff on, on Twitter because it's going to be a very crazy election year as we are already starting to see. Uh, of course, we could, if you've been paying attention, you probably already knew that. I'm going to pod or, or mute down this side of my screen over here because throwing off. There we go. The color looks a little bit weird. So um, just myself joining you this week uh, once again. I'm um, Rich and family have things that they have going on, and uh, he may be on hiatus for just a couple weeks more. Appreciate your prayers for him, and uh, why you know just continuing to lift him up. And uh, be, you know, those of you that know him and know the the various things that he deals with, um, you know, it's not it's not a major crisis. You know, it's not the end of the world for for him or his family, but it's uh, just stuff that you know we've always made it a a, um, a policy of this program that personal health and family come before uh, the the podcast ever does. And so uh, that has been something we've stood by for a long time. It's one of the reasons we sometimes have done uh, uh, reruns like we did last week. And uh, we just, we always want to put our families and uh, their needs and, and health needs uh, first. And again, nothing, I mean, no major crisis, but, you know, keeping him in your prayers would be greatly appreciated. So y'all, you guys are going to be stuck with me uh, solo for a couple weeks, uh, unless we happen to get some folks that can come in and join us. Um, but for now, this week, just going to have a couple of quick topics to go over, maybe kind of do a little bit shorter program. But uh, hopefully this will be something that will be beneficial to all of you and uh, just help us you know, think through some issues. I want to remind you, as always, we are part of the Christian podcast community. Always want to recommend that you go and check that uh that group of podcasts out. It's a group of like-minded Christians that have come together to, well, we help promote one another. We help each other with our podcast to, you know, what are things that we can say and do that will improve the quality of that podcast, um, you know, bring expertise and knowledge and, and background to one another. Uh, and also it is a sound, a group of sound biblical Christians uh, promoting one another because you're going to find good content there no matter where you go or what your um what your interest may be. So I always want you to check that out. Uh, on top of that, we also have our website, which is slavetothekingcom That is where kind of a, what we've always described as our one-stop shop, where you can find uh, our social media, uh, links to this program, our YouTube page, etc. It's how you can reach out and contact us. And as we do make time to write up things that we put them on that website as well. I, I'm noticing I have water on my shirt, so sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm not this sloppy, really. <laughs> I'm be honest, but uh, hopefully that um, you know you can go there, sign up, be a follower of the page, and uh, as new content comes out, you can be advised. And again, it's a way you can reach out to us, send in your questions, comments, concerns, uh, objections to things that we put out. We do ask though that if you were to put a you know send us anything, if you want to uh, talk about something you object to or, or or bothered by that we covered. Just be respectful, number one. We've, that's what we always tr strive to do in this program is be respectful even when we're in disagreement with others. And uh, number two, keep it biblical. You know, Bring your Bible verses to bear. Bring them in context. And uh, even if you're someone who absolutely abhors what we teach as Christians and you want to you know, raise your objections and concerns to the Christian faith, so be it. But again, be respectful, be tactful, 
And uh, if your whole idea of uh, discourse is to be, oh, you're a bunch of stupid ninny knuckleheads or whatever the phrase is, um, because I won't watch Elf, I don't really know what the phrase is. <laughs> but um, if you want to say something where you want to insult us, you know, you can do it all day long. Guess what's going to what's going to happen? It's going to go right in the trash bin because we're not going to respond to people and engage people who are you know just going to be plain rude. So uh, we don't really run into that very often. I think the last negative thing I saw was a one star review for the podcast after we covered our um, uh, Jen Wilkin and homeschooling uh, issue, and that person just didn't care for the program. And that's fine. I, I have no problem with a, a negative review. I have no problem with somebody not liking what we have to say. Uh, no problem. You are welcome to have that opinion. You're welcome to believe what you, you wish. You, you have a voice. No problem with that. So just uh, just be respectful if you're going to respond to anything uh, in the negative. That's all we ask. So um, this week, just want to touch on a couple of quick topics, uh, mostly because without my buddy Rich here, it's... Uh, <laughs> You know, topics that we want to cover, I, you know, I don't like getting into them without him here because he brings in so much uh, that I believe is so helpful that I kind of like hate to do those topics without him. So a couple of topics that have been running through my mind in the last uh, week or so I thought would be useful. And uh, we'll start with, since we were talking about, since I made a joke about the um, uh, upcoming political season, uh, I'm not kidding when I say, uh, and, and if you don't know this, this this is a way you can save yourself some uh, some grief on social media, specifically with well, what was once known as Twitter, and it's what I still call it. Um, you can actually mute certain keywords on Twitter. If you go into your settings, your privacy and safety settings, where you can uh, go through your mute and block list, there's a way to mute specific words. Well, I speak I muted. I've muted a few words in the uh, recent past. I, the Christian nationalism debate, which is probably something we should discuss at some point, but I just don't want to, <laughs> um, has been one I've muted because there's been so much, so much heat and really not a lot of light in the discussions. It just wasn't worth it for me to get into. So that was, for example, something I had put in the mute list. Uh, Trump, Biden, Nikki Haley, uh, voting, pretty much all those terms <laughs> have now been added to my list just so that uh, I can have a moment's peace to some extent on uh, on Twitter, which is probably where I do most of my social media. And uh, if that's something that you, know, you there are topics you don't want to see, that's one way you can do that. Well, why am I putting that in there? I mean, it's 2024. It's a major you know, election. It's, it's a, a revisit. It's, it's looking like it's going to be a revisit of, uh, the 2020 election, Biden versus Trump, you know, 2.0. Well, that's why I'm muting it <laughs> quite honestly. Um, because we as Christians and to some extent, uh, but certainly conservatives and, um, progressives or leftists, in general, don't seem to be very good at having adult discourse and debate. <laughs> and so it's not that I don't want to know what the issues are. Um, obviously, I think I'm aware of quite a few of those issues. We've discussed a number of them on the show, but I really don't want to deal with the discourse. I don't want to deal with, well, with, with what passes for discourse. And I say that because uh, you're an idiot and you're, you're just, you know, you, you know, you're just a, a, a stupid head and a tyrant and, and you're this and you're that is not discourse. That's schoolyard taunting. <laughs> and so we've forgotten how to, to engage in adult discussion. And so I don't want to watch that unfold for the next several months. 
But with that inside, uh, it, in with that put out there, I do believe the topic, for, especially for Christians, of how do we approach the coming election, how do we deal with that? I think that's extremely important. And uh, there was a good friend of ours. In fact, Lizzie, if you're listening to this, um, I'll, you'll you'll have a, a video clip for me to share at some point. Uh, Lizzie on uh, Twitter all goes by Farming and Jesus. Um, she was really kind last time we did this with the with the video podcast. Uh, she actually helped promote it quite a bit just by simply making a one-minute video clip and uh, of sharing that and then putting the link to the the podcast itself. And so, Lizzie, thank you so much for doing that. That was ingenious. I didn't even think of that myself. Uh, I've been doing this for a really long time, and I still haven't figured out how to how to actually market the, the show. <laughs> it tells you we've been doing this for almost eight years, and I'm still learning things that I should be doing, uh, know, know how to do by now. But uh, she, I think... I really felt bad for a situation she had stepped into, and I see this happen quite often. Um, she had voiced a political opinion, and pretty much like moths to a flame, everybody just dogpiled her. And I saw what she had written. It wasn't it's it. She's deleted it because um, so I can't read you word for word what it was about. But I saw it. It was I think a, a well reasoned post about her objections to what appears to be. The Republican candidate at this point, it does appear that Donald J. Trump is going to be the nominee once again. Uh, there are some issues involved in that, and I can talk about that in a minute. But she voiced her concerns. And guess what? As an adult who's of, of voting age in this nation, she has a right to do that. She got dogpiled and she pulled it down and felt the need to apologize. And quite honestly, I thought that was a very sad state of affairs when a, uh, I think, a well-spoken young lady who just voiced her sociopolitical opinion got treated like she was antichrist. Um, and I mean that from all steps, not necessarily just from Christians, although some Christians I think were involved in that. Um, if you're not watching via video, because I don't have Rich here with me, I do have to occasionally take a drink of water. So if I pause, bear with me. Um, those of you watching on the video can tell. <laughs> so anyway, in my statement to her and, and, and in a subsequent conversation later was that she should never have to apologize for voicing her political opinion because she had every right to do so. And what I would encourage us as Christians, before we go any further into this, when you are engaging in any kind of cultural, sociopolitical discussion, number one, be balanced, be respectful. Right. Anytime we all have a right to express our political views. That's the whole point behind the First Amendment. That's the whole point behind the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and the fact that we have the right to vote. We all have this. So when you engage in that discussion, first and foremost, be respectful. Don't just go out of your way to punch somebody in the nose. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to be, oh, let's all be nice and kind and kumbaya and never say anything that might be difficult or hard. If you listen to this show, you know that we are big proponents of speaking the truth and doing so with love, but doing so without adulteration or without <clears throat> watering it down, especially when it comes to the scriptures. So if I say, for example, that um, President Biden is an ardent leftist and he 
isn't really running the show. He's other people telling him what to do. And the things that he is doing are destructive to this nation, including the moral fiber of this nation, because everything that he and his nation or his party represent are an affront and an abomination to God. I can say that. And by the way, I believe all of that. And it's absolutely true. I can say that and I can still be respectful and be balanced in doing so. So when I say be balanced in your rhetoric, be respectful in what you say and uh, and do, in no way am I saying water it down or make it palatable for everyone. That's not what we're saying. But what I am telling you is that you can do all of that. You can stand firm. You can be passionate. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you can... Do what is necessary to convey the truth of your message without having to actually be a jerk about it. In fact, one of the reasons, and this will probably get me a little bit of trouble, one of the reasons that I have an issue with the Christian nationalist side of, uh, of the uh, Christianity and social media is that many of them feel that it isn't enough to point out why something's wrong and promote their, their, their response to it, which is, creating a Christian nation, a Christian form of government. It's not sufficient. No, they have to actually be insulting. And to my own shame, I shouldn't do this, but I occasionally we'll go back and look at people. Have they changed what they're saying? Is there any recognition that maybe there's some maturity? And I say to my shame because I know better. I should know better by now. And I go and I see it again. And I see slurs. And I see straw men. And I see... Um, anger and vitriol and rhetoric, mocking that is inappropriate. And that's why I mute that because I don't want to be a part of a discussion where people don't know how to act like adults. We are adult people. I would imagine most of us, if you're listening to this program, you're probably of adult voting age, which means you should be at this stage in your life <clears throat> capable of communicating like, like you're, you've left behind the junior high locker room a long time ago. But some people don't seem to grow out of that, and that's why I won't engage someone who acts like that. Um, and guess what? Just because the other side does it, which is often the the um, the reasoning that I've seen, is well, they're doing it, and they need to be. They, we need to expose how bad they are, and so we're not. You know, they're not playing with kid gloves. Neither are we. That's the mentality. I I would argue of someone who's in junior high school, and I think it's inappropriate and unbecoming of a Christian to do so. You can argue ideas without sounding like a jerk. And if you don't, if you want to sit there and tell me, well, what qualifies as jerkish discussion? The fact that you're asking that question tells me you already know the answer. You're looking for a way to get around it. And um, so the, the whole point of all that is, is that we as Christians can engage in that. We can have that discussion. We can engage in, in, in point for point uh, refutations of, of, uh, of, bad policy. We can stand firmly on the word of God. We can stand firmly on our sociopolitical views. We can do so with passion and firmness, but we do not have to be jerks. And um, so that would be the first thing I say is you know, when you're engaging, just be respectful of it. If you're not attacking someone, then there's nothing wrong with what you've said. Now, I will say it really helps us to be knowledgeable of what we're talking about. We do come, our message comes across very flat if we are misrepresenting somebody else's position. Now, there's a difference between misrepresenting and 
drawing out the logical conclusion of uh, of a, a bad argument. So a leftist who says that, um, for example, abortion is a, a woman's right and man has no right telling her what to do with her own body. If we were to say, oh, you just uh, you hate babies in general um, or, or you just uh, you're you're. I'm trying to think of a way to do this that actually doesn't it actually doesn't end up defeating my own argument here. So bear with me. Um, so it happens when you're doing this on the fly, right? So, but if we were to say something just outlandish, like uh, you're you're a cannibal and you want to eat babies, right? I mean, there's something weird. That's not what he's saying. That's misrepresentation. However, a logical conclusion of the abortion argument is you, what you're basically saying is babies are not human and they do not have rights. And guess what? That's the same argument that slave owners used. They're not men. They're, they're property they, and they don't have rights. So drawing out a logical conclusion versus an intentional or just foolish misrepresentation to score points is there's a difference. So you can draw out a logical conclusion. You can stand on that conclusion and it can be right. You may be uh, told you're misrepresenting, but the reality is they have not made that connection and you may have to walk them through it, but you're not misrepresenting. But if you're making outlandish statements that have nothing to do, or you're literally ignoring everything they've said because you want to score a point in your rhetoric, that that's that's problematic okay and I, I would just say you need to learn how to have intelligent mature discussions and find that line where you're not crossing over into making straw man arguments purposely misrepresenting people being ignorant about their position etc but don't attack people don't go on the attack and don't be calling them names and don't misrepresent them be articulate be balanced and be firm in in your representations and you're going to be fine there's no reason for anyone to feel like they have to apologize for making that argument. And she should never have had to do so. Anybody that put her in that position and made her feel like you were a terrible person or any Christian or any uh, uh, person uh, on the internet, if you make anyone feel like, how dare you hold a position I wouldn't hold, um, they haven't done anything offensive. They've disagreed with you and they've tried to make a point and you're slamming them for having a different position. That's foolish. And, and we as Christians should never have to apologize to anyone if we have not gone on the like a vicious attack. We haven't called people fools or bad, called them bad names because they disagreed with us. We just said, here's your position. Here's why I think it's wrong. Here's my position. Here's why I think it's right. And I'm going to stand on this and I'm not going to give ground on it. Go for it. By all means, go for it. Engage and articulate to your heart's content and refute the bad arguments. There's no reason that you ever feel like you should not be, you're not allowed to, or that you're doing something wrong. And anybody that tries to make you feel that way, well, I'm going to simply say that there's an old adage that if you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one who yelps got hit. So, uh, and I think that's what happened. I think that she made an argument where she had some objections to Trump. And I think there are some legitimacies, legitimate reasons to be concerned about him, especially since the 2020 election. Um, and, Christians should never be made to feel like they're doing something wrong by saying they just don't feel like, you know, they can. And, and I, I don't know ultimately where she'll, she'll land on that, but no Christian should ever be made to feel like they, they are a horrible person because they just don't think that in their own conscience that they can uh, vote for someone like uh, Trump. Now I'm going to say everything I'm saying right up to this point 
is an argument within the uh, the idea of what we're talking about are people who fall more to the political right. As when it comes to the political left, the leftist, the progressive, I'm going to argue right now, no Christian should ever be ar- voting for anyone who supports the the leftist agenda which has to do with promoting the uh, infanticide, murdering babies, promoting the destruction of marriage and family through things like gay, as as Dr. White would put it, gay mirage, um, who is promoting transgenderism, open uh, sexual rebellion, and um, everything that's going on within the Democrat Party right now. Why? These are obvious, gross sins against God. And I don't care if you think that the leftist party might have a good economic platform. I would argue they don't, but it that's not when you was, well, I'm just voting for this part. Well, you're voting for people who also are taking, um, <laughs> I've got to learn how to change that on my settings. Uh, for those of you who are watching via YouTube, I made a hand motion and I got a bubble with a thumbs up. So that's some emoji emotion emoji thing that uh, Apple has, and I haven't figured out how to turn it off. So uh, those of you that didn't watch it or were listening, this doesn't apply. I got to learn how to, I got to figure out how to turn that off. But anyway, you're talking about a party that isn't advancing economic platforms solely. You're talking about a party that is its sole commitment is to advance an agenda that is anti-Christian in every uh, conceivable manner. It's like they said, what are all the moral things God said not to do? Or, or here's the sins you can't do. Okay, we're gonna, that's our our platform. We're gonna do everything God says not to do. That We're gonna do all of that. Um, so I would argue there's just no legitimate reason a Christian should ever, ever be voting for a Democrat Unless you've got a Democrat who literally repudiates everything that that party stands for, then my question to them is, why are you running as a Democrat? I haven't quite figured out uh, how you can get around that. So, uh, But now, going back to this side of the equation, going back more to the right, when you're talking about people who, as Christians, who are we going to vote for? You're going to have to start thinking in terms of, what does my conscience permit me to do? This is where it's not, there's not going to be a hard and fast rule. And I know my more pragmatic brethren are not going to like what I have to say. I've, I've been chastised this for, for this before. I'm sorry. I believe this is the most biblical way I can present it. And I'm not going to waver on this because I am captive to the word of God. And one of the things that the word of God tells me is I cannot make someone do something against their conscience because to do something against their conscience is to sin. So I am not going to force anyone for any pragmatic reason, to adopt a position that would violate their conscience. Can we discourse and debate and discuss and maybe try to appeal to a person's understanding to give them biblical reasons why you feel a particular position or a particular candidate is acceptable? Yes. And I would encourage us with respect, with patience, and um, a willingness to hear one another out, by all means, discuss. But don't you ever, ever, ever demand of someone how they should vote because you are afraid that the end result might be, well, our guy won't get in if these people don't vote the way we think they should. You are literally putting people in a position of violating their consciences 
just because you couldn't persuade them politically. And I think that's absolutely unacceptable. So, Chris, what are you saying? Who should we vote for? Well, first off, I'm not going to tell you to vote for. That's up to you. That's your right. The scriptures do not require you to vote in an election. That Hey, newsflash. From Genesis to Exodus, there's nowhere in scripture that tells you you must vote. I believe it is a duty and a right and a privilege that every person in a country that has the ability to engage in the electoral process that they should do it. I think it is foolish to not do it because if you don't do it and you're these are people who are elected to represent you and you have not voiced your um, or have not made that choice through your uh, your vote, you are left without a voice or you're left with a voice of someone else and their agenda and their beliefs and you had an opportunity to do something about that. So I think it's foolish not to do it, but I don't think it's a sin not to do it. There's just no demand that you must do it in scripture. So when it comes to voting, here's what I tell people. And this is what I tell people on virtually every issue. Become biblically informed. Study the word of God. Understand what God's word tells us to do, how we should live, how we should speak, how we should think on any given topic. And then apply that in your life. That's it. That that That's my advice. So when you apply it in your life, what are, what's one of the things you do in a country where you have the right to vote? Well, part of your life is engaging in that electoral process. So that means you as a Christian now have to kind of look at the landscape. What's going on? What's at stake? What are the policies? What are the agendas? What are the things that I'm concerned about? What's the biblical understanding of those positions? And then looking at candidates and looking at ballot questions, you make your choices. So let's go back to Donald J. Trump. Why do I have a, 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 some recent concerns about Donald Trump? Following the 2020 election, we had the overturning of Roe v. Wade, right? The Dobbs decision overturns Roe, Roe v. Wade, pushes uh, abortion back down to the states. And now every state has the ability to make laws. They no longer have that three-tier test of where, whether they can pass a law regarding abortion or not. Every state can choose for itself whether they will allow, which would be evil, abortion or restricting abortion, which is it's allowing evil at a certain level or abolishing abortion, which would be the right thing to do because you're abolishing murder. And I think that's the right thing to do. But when Dobbs was overturned or, or Roe was overturned in the Dobbs decision, what happened? Many states began to pass laws that were very restrictive or sought to abolish abortion in general. Well, Along comes Donald Trump, and he starts heavily criticizing these these governors and these states for doing so. Now, mind you, we all cheered when the Supreme Court and had made that decision, and we were all very grateful that God had placed Donald Trump in the position he was from uh, after the 2016 election to appoint Supreme Court justices who then overturned this this god awful decision. It was and, and it really was a god awful decision. Uh, you know, I don't say that in a blasphemous way. Um, it was horrifying that we had a, a Supreme Court decision that said you can't prevent the murder of babies in the womb. And to that end, we were cheering. Well, the man who appointed that started criticizing states that were trying to eliminate abortion altogether, criticizing them, saying that they should not be doing this. They should not. They shouldn't be. Uh, so um, taking such a hard stand on that. 
Why? Well, we've, I think we've talked about this on the show before uh, when we were talking about the issue of conservatives kind of abandoning uh, any kind of semblance of Christian principles. It's a losing strategy, according to the political uh, pundits, that if you focus on things like abortion or gay marriage, you know, these are losing strategies and we won't get elected. So I believe what Donald Trump was doing was engaging in political rhetoric because he wants back in office. And so when he's talked to about it, he's saying, well, you know, here's my, I have plans on how this would go. And I think everybody would be happy. In other words, he's willing to acquiesce on the very thing we were so grateful about that he had put Supreme Court justices in place so that Roe v. Wade would be overturned so that states could start getting rid of abortion as a, uh, as a protected act. And he's criticizing them because it's politically suicidal in his mind. That's what I believe he was doing. So like so many pro-life industries, and I, and I agree with a lot of our abolitionist brethren, pro-life industry has proven itself to be an industry. It's not, uh, and it's not actually about protecting life in the womb. It's actually about um, kind of protecting itself because if you actually abolish abortion, what happens to the pro-life institutions? Well, they don't have a job anymore. They don't have an income anymore. They don't have things to fight for anymore, and they have to go away and do something else. And I think the pro-life lobby and the pro-life organizations are becoming self-sustaining, and they are afraid of abolition. And I think he's catering to the pro-life industry rather than to what is right. So that's a consideration for the Christian. Uh, when I'm sitting down and looking at the ballot— Who's pro? Who's really, truly pro-life? Who is for the elimination of child murder in the womb? Well, Donald Trump, we thought, was the most pro-life president we've ever had, and he's already starting to reveal he's not so much. He's also been very friendly to the LGBTQ community, and uh, that's another concern for people. And so he's showing that there are aspects of himself in the coming uh, electoral cycle that could be very, very concerning, and he has been massively on it on the attack uh, against other conservative politicians whose policies and platform would probably be more reflective of what Christians want, and he's attacking them. Why? Because he wants to be in office, and he sees them as a threat. So a Christian could look at that and go, I have some real problems, because following his, uh, his 2020 loss— he has just become, he's kind of moved away from the person that we saw him to be between or during that, that, uh, that four-year term of his. And it, there, that raises a lot of concern for people. And I think that's a legitimate concern and it should be one that is addressed. So a Christian looking at the scriptures would look at those, uh, those moral issues and look at someone like Donald Trump and go, I, I see problems here. And I'm not sure that I can endorse someone that is going to be okay, again, going back to the abortion issue, with the child murder in the womb in order for to win an election. And that, I believe, is a legitimate reason for a person to say, I don't know if I can vote for him. So when we as Christians then go, well, you're just going to give him up to Biden. I mean, I, I, I had this discussion, you know, I... I won't say discussion because I really don't want to talk to this individual. Um, he just, 
this individual really wanted to push his line of questioning and, and force me into a conversation and I wouldn't do it. But, um, there was, it was, I think it was Virgil Walker on, on Twitter had made a, uh, post about him, you know, Hey, let's go MAGA 2024. And I'm like, well, I, I'm not one to jump on a bandwagon just because somebody thinks I should. And nor, uh, am I the type of person, uh, to, you know, just, you know, be a kind of a pragmatic voter per se in all areas. So Trump's going to have to kind of earn my respect back for me to, to consider him. And that's really all I said. Oh, well, this, you know, this individual comes in. Oh, well, um, and it wasn't, it wasn't Virgil. It was somebody else. Uh, Nate Fisher, I think the guy's name is. Oh, do, well, does that mean you're, uh, you're fine with or indifferent to, uh, you know, Biden, a, a continued Biden administration? You know full well that's not what I meant. I never said anything that I, uh, to that state. And so I don't engage in kind of that dishonest discussion, which he thinks, uh, he, he accused me of, thinking that I, I was, uh, you know, that there was bad intent behind his questioning. I'll just say that I don't believe there was good intent behind it. Um, rather than recognizing that uh, I have questions as to whether I will or won't, you know, not making a commitment either way uh, as to whether I would vote for, for Trump, the the natural jumping point was, well, then you, you, you really don't care about whether Biden wins or not. That's the issue where I have a problem where we as Christians need to not do stuff like this. Um, this is where you're trying to attack someone's conscience, who's, their biblically informed conscience, and force a pragmatic response to them by saying, well, there's only one answer. And the only way we're going to defeat Biden is to put this person in. Now, I guarantee you, if the question was Nikki Haley, who nobody seems to like... And uh, she became the nominee and people were questioning whether they, you know, whether it might look like she could get the nominee. If people said, I, I can't vote for her, um, I don't, I think most people would understand why. But because it's Trump, um, there's this bizarre mindset of, oh, well, it's ends justify the means. And so therefore, if I, we don't care if Trump uh, has these problems if you don't vote for him, you're okay with Biden being elected. That's manipulative. And it is unbecoming of any Christian who engages in this discussion. So my argument again would be you, you need to look at the, you know, the, the Bible, become informed on the issues, apply what you understand of scripture to those issues, including who you will vote for. And ultimately one of the considerations will be who's likely to win. Now, if it was a choice between, say, Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton, like somehow she she switches parties, yet she's still as vile as ever, and she becomes a Republican and she gets on the ticket. Well, I don't think any Christian can vote for either of them. Um, you know, it's it, uh, it, it's like the old Simpsons episode of the two aliens. It's a two-party system. You're going to have to vote for one of us. You know, and people did, you know, well, what about third party? Oh, you're throwing your vote away. You know, it, it was, it was a ridiculous cartoon, but it made the point, you know, there are alternatives. We could, we always have options, but I do believe it's a legitimate, uh, consideration when we get down to the wire, who is it, you know, right now, if, if you have a wide swath of preliminary votes or people that you can vote for, uh, whether it's preliminary or caucus based and, um, 
you want to, you know, narrow that to somebody who really fit, uh, fits uh, your, you know, where you stand scripturally, uh, great. At some point, we're going to have to take into consideration, hey, it's November. Am I going to vote for Trump or whoever the the candidate is? And it's I do believe that it's a legitimate, re, you know, there's at least legitimacy behind the question of, uh, you know, if, if if this is the candidate that will actually win, where where are the areas that I have objections, and are those objections so overriding that I can't vote for him? So, for example, uh, you know, this the lesser of two evils argument. I know people, you know, often say, well, you, you, we should never choose an evil either way. Um, I get that, I understand that, um, but you know, the reality is, is that no matter who runs, you're always voting for somebody who has some level of evil in them, no matter how good they are, because there are no perfect candidates. Uh, I don't say that as uh, someone who says, therefore, vote for the worst, you know, the worst swillish candidate out there. But I do say that um, you're going to make some level of compromise. That's going to happen. So but are the issues that you're you know you're you have with this particular candidate and well again we'll use uh, Donald Trump as the example um look most of what he's doing is pro life this issue here i have a problem with but joe biden wants to kill all babies in the womb that's a legitimate question and it can be imported into your decision making because you're looking at i want to honor god in the most in, in the best way i can with the candidates that are available this is therefore one of those decision you know points that I have to go. Am I willing to say I'll vote for this even though it's not what I want fully here? I would love an abolitionist candidate, but I got a pro-life candidate, for example. Um, by the way, if you're you know if you don't think an abolitionist candidate can win, uh, y'all need to pay attention to Dusty Devers, who is an an, uh, an abolitionist and just became I think senator in his state. So he absolutely is an abolitionist, and it is not a it is not a losing issue to do that. So by all means, find yourselves candidates that support what the scriptures say. But I believe when it comes down to it, you also have that you know you have the I don't think you're sinning if you look at someone again using the abortion issue as an example. This guy's really pro life, but he's not abolitionist. I'd prefer an abolitionist, but I'll take the pro life. I don't think that's that's a sin. I don't think you're compromising the word of God in any way, but you're going to have to decide where that line is. Every Christian is going to have to do that. And that comes from the study of the word, studying the scriptures, uh, spending time in prayer and talking with your pastor. You need to be informed biblically before you become informed politically. And once you've done that, then make your choice, then make your choice and don't let anyone uh, hound you, manipulate you, cajole you, whatever into Voting for someone against your conscience. Don't do it. If your conscience cannot allow you to vote for, say, let's again using Donald Trump, then don't. I don't want you being a pragmatist and voting against your conscience and sinning. That would be a sin. To sin against your conscience is to sin. So don't do it. Have the discussions and and fellow Christians be patient with people who don't agree with you on these issues. And have the discussions, but let people be captive their conscience. Well, you're you're promoting a professional weaker brother. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm telling you, you don't have a right to tell someone who to vote for. 
You can appeal to them. You can, you know, you can debate with them. You can seek to convince them, but you can't force them. And if you attack someone because they didn't vote for the candidate you think they should, how dare you? Stop it. That is childish, and it is pragmatic, and you are forcing someone to try and do something against their conscience, and you are causing them to sin. It needs to stop right now. So that's my encouragement as we go into this election cycle. Just as a little caveat, and Lizzie, perk up your ears because you did want to hear this. Um, there is another concerning issue when it comes to Donald Trump. I've seen this from conservatives and Christians alike. I, and I say that specifically, watch the last episode we did uh, on, on the issue of conservatism. Um, Trump, one of his biggest problems, in my opinion, is that he is very, very arrogant. The man in no way, shape, or form can ever admit he was wrong. Want an example? Look at COVID. It was Trump that started Operation Warp Speed. It was Trump that surrounded himself with that you know dream team of nitwits that gave him all the bad advice and, and setting policy as far as masks and shut lockdowns and six-foot distancing. All the things that we have learned over the last four years were horrible. They were not helpful in any way. They were arbitrary. They were made up. They were just ways to get people to do stuff so that the, the, the COVID dream team group of nitwits could exact their overreaching authority to do what they thought would be best. At no point since the release of the vaccine and the terrible things we've seen come out about that, it's uselessness, it's inability to protect, it's short-lived use uh, lifespan, and the potential, and I won't even say potential, the actual health issues and, and that have come out as a result of it for the people who did receive the vaccine, um, he's never, ever been willing to say, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Furthermore, um, he... Um, I've seen more people trying to post stuff on Twitter at me. Keep Twitter down. <laughs> should learn that not to do that. Um, furthermore, his appointment of Anthony Fauci and all these other things, he's never once said this was a bad team, never should have listened to him, I should have fired him, never, has never said none of it. And he has propped himself up as he handled it great. We have the vaccine because of me. We had this because of me. We had that because of me. He's never once been willing to admit any fault. And there have been times when he's said things that have been, and I'm not talking just mainstream media, you know, saying, oh, no, he's wrong, but actual stuff he's been refuted on or uh, instances where he was just proven wrong. And nope, I gave you alternative facts. Nope, that's just not true. No, and, and his inability to admit anything that doesn't paint him in a great light. Well, there is a little bit, I think, within those who are diehard Trump supporters, where it's almost an, uh, an um, idolatrous worship because they uh, adopt the same mentality. Um, they don't want to ever acknowledge that he's ever been wrong about anything. They, they prop him up as the savior of the nation. Uh, they, they act like he is, everything he said is perfect and great. And if you say anything against him, you're just an evil person. 
And all you have to do is spend time on social media to say that. Now, social media is a weird thing. It, um, it brings out, I think, a lot of the times worse than people. Conversations that you wouldn't get into in a person-to-person discussion uh, become vile and vitriolic online. So I'm not going to say this is a 100% proof, but I think all you have to do is spend any time, just, just go online and say, you know, Trump did some good things, but I have problems with him and watch how fast the vitriol comes out from his supporters. Um, in addition to that, there have been people who have made blasphemous paintings, kind of portraying him as a save, almost a messianic savior. There ha- there was a, uh, I, I think we talked about, it. in fact, we did, we talked about it on the last program where he was referred to uh, as uh, a shepherd of mankind who would never leave or forsake. And that mentality is idolatrous. It is lifting up a man to a, an elevation of, of earthly worship, and it is wrong. And so when you encounter people like this, I think, number one, you're going to have to make a choice whether you even want to engage. I, my personal feeling is if you got someone in who comes at you, especially on social media, who is just vile and vitriolic, divisive, and, and just nothing but rhetoric. I, my personal feeling is mute the person and move on. Um, we want fruitful conversations. We don't want to be involved with people who are just angry and just going to punch you in the face if you don't uh, acquiesce to everything they say. So when it comes to this, I, I would recommend, number one, don't even engage them. But if you choose to, then I would say is you, you've got somebody who's got a heart issue. They're worshiping a man. And you might want to, before we even get into the discussion of, uh, you know, whether Trump is fallible or not, this might be somebody who needs the gospel and you should be praying for that individual and you should be talking about the things of Christ and who deserve, who's genuinely deserving of worship and who genuinely is perfect and who is the only real savior. Um, but it's, uh, this, this idolatrous worship, it's like, it's, it's as bad as the people on the left who, who are trying to, against all reason and rationality, say that Joe Biden is uh, this fantastic president. The man is non compass mentis. He, you know, he falls asleep half the time. He says things that make no sense. Um, and he, he is being used and manipulated by people who have an agenda in mind. They're, the blinders are on and they worship that party and that agenda so badly that they can't see it. Well, never should we lift up any man in that way and certainly not Donald Trump. So uh, for those who are doing it, you need to stop. There's only one person deserving of that level of worship, and that is Christ. And if it, this offends you, I'm sorry, but you have to repent. So, all right. So uh, short remaining time, something that's kind of been on the topic this is going to be complete right turn going into an entirely different discussion. So seatbelts on and we'll do this, try to do this a little bit more quickly and wrap things up. But this last week, um, and I know Dr. White shared this. In fact, I was watching his program, I think from just the end of last week. And I kind of avoided this discussion because there were already too many people talking about it, in my opinion, but I've had some time to listen to, look at some of the discussions and look at some of the objections and, um, I think the the concern is warranted, and this concerns Alistair Begg. And Alistair Begg said something that I guess was back in September, and the audio on it came out, or, or maybe video, audio or video, came out earlier this week or last week, 
where basically uh, Alistair Begg admits that in a conversation with a grandmother who uh, whose grandchild is going to be involved in a transgender wedding, like tra marrying transgender, um, what advice would she, she – she was looking for advice and you know, what would he say – and so the basics of it is, is that Alistair Begg said, he says, this is going to get me in a little bit of trouble. He says, but what I asked her was, and I'm paraphrasing here, um, does your, your, I think your grandson know your, where you stand on this? In other words, have you had this conversation? Does this person know that you believe this is sinful? Yes. Have, you know, have you had this discussion? Do, do they, do they know where you stand? Do you, they know what you believe? Yes. Yes. Okay. So what I would then tell you is go to the wedding. And of course, the grandmother's shocked. And he says, and bring a present. Now, here, here's where the reasoning lies. And it's it's one thing I haven't seen in a lot of the discussions. And I'm not defending anything he said. I actually think he's still wrong. I think he's very, very wrong. Um, but he says, that, you know, if you were to not go, what this would essentially confirm in your grandchild's mind is, oh, yeah, that's what I expect. They're bigoted. They're, they're hateful. They're not going to, they can't even show up for this. So going would be the unexpected thing, essentially, and and they maybe perhaps see that this person is loved by the grandmother despite the objections. So first and foremost, and I say it again, Alistair Begg is just simply wrong, dead wrong on this issue, and I'll get to it in a minute why. But I believe what his intent here is, and it's I think this is one of those things where we when we get incensed, we get upset, and we get bothered by something that was said, we don't listen to everything that was said and why. And I, and the reason I say that is Alistair Begg is basically saying this person already knows that you – they would expect you to not show up because they, they already know you object to this and that you believe it's sinful. So the intent in his view, from what I can tell from that, from that statement, is really kind of just pulling the – the, the rug out from under the individual going, despite all my objections, despite the fact that I see this as sinful, I'm here for you because I love you. That is a far cry from what many affirming pastors or churches would do. Oh no, love me means you take them as they are and they you just let you don't have any judgment. You don't have any uh, uh you know uh ma make them feel bad in any way. You don't tell them it's sinful. You just you just love them. It's not what uh, Alistair Begg said. Alistair Begg said that you know made sure that the grandmother had already had these discussions and that this grandchild was already aware of the objections. So now it's like okay. This is strategic. This is an attempt to lay down a foundation that there's still a bond of love between uh, grandmother and grandchild and that they're going to demonstrate that despite their objections. Now, again, I think this is a wrong way to do this. I think there are a great many other ways to maintain that bond of love that don't require showing up at what is inherently a sinful union. But let's just keep that in mind. And I think a lot of people, even Protestia, who was the uh, 
the website that released this video and brought its concerns about it, I think they actually said this was a that some of the reactions to Alistair Begg were absolutely unnecessary and uh, and and wrong. And why is that? And that's because Alistair Begg for a great many years, decades now, has faithfully ministered the word of God, has taught exegetically from the word of God, has uh, condemned homosexuality as sinful, transgenderism as sinful. And even in this discussion with the grandmother, ensured that the grandmother had already talked to the ch- grandchild about the sinful be- uh, behavior and union they were engaging in. So as Protesti and many others have pointed out, any condemnation of Alistair Begg as though he were suddenly this vile heretic to be thrown to the to you know the curb and and, and consigned to outer darkness is absolutely it's ridiculous it it's pointless there's no reason for that this is one decision that he has made demonstrating what he believes is care from a grandmother to a grandchild despite the issue of sin this is not the same as someone who has said Oh, we need to. We have a, we have years upon years of spitting in the face of Scripture and rejecting Scripture and talking about how Scripture is wrong on these issues, and we just need to be loving and affirming. Um, you know who? Uh, you know, and, and we just need to ignore all of what Scripture says or redefine what Scripture says, and so that we can be loving and affirming. Rather, this was a pastor who has demonstrated, faith, excuse me, faithful loving care of his flock for decades and has made a statement that I believe is wrong and I believe is scripture would say is wrong, but did so for a very, very different reason. So why is it wrong? Well, ultimately, scripture tells us that we are not to even have the appearance of evil. In other words, how we live, act, speak, should always be something that we've always said on the show, be the reflection of Christ. So when we lend ourselves, you know, scripture is clear. We're not to enter into uh, any partnership that where we are unequally yoked. Right. So oftentimes we say that in marriage, but it also has application in so many other places. So the Christian church, for example, should not be unequally yoked with an atheistic organization to fight a cultural issue. Right, that's unequ- we're unequally yoked here, and I would argue, for example, some Christians who seem to think James Lindsay, who is just this brilliant atheist, who's you know on the attack against woke ideology, we can partner with him. I think that's wrong. I think if you want to you know tell people he wrote a good book on this stuff, and you might find it informative, understand it's not from a Christian point of view. The man still has very leftist ideologies, and we would not commend him as a resource from a Christian perspective. But on this, you can read some and get some, and glean some information. I think that's fine. But we should not in any way, shape, or form be partnering with him. And some of us did and still do, and it should stop because it's an, uh, it's being unequally yoked. Because we are giving the appearance of evil. We're giving, we're saying that someone who is engaged in sinful behavior, in this case, you know, in James Lindsay's case, the utter rejection of God, and, and we're partnering with him, we're saying he's okay. You know, and I actually happen to know that there was a discussion with one particular Christian who was talking through things with James Lindsay one day, I think at a conference or something, realizing James Lindsay is an atheist and starts to share the gospel with him, and the 
person in charge quickly escorted James Lindsay away because he was too concerned about the partnership being going bad because the guy got witness to or something. I don't know. Silly stuff. But with that said, when we go to a function that is inherently godless, such as a gay wedding or a transgender wedding, um, something that is a union of people who are not to be married because it violates God's commandments against such unions, and we go and we make ourselves present without any outward, uh, you know, statement to anybody there. I'm not here because I, I believe I, I'm not here to support this. I think this is wrong, but I love my grandson or whatever. We are lending the uh, our Christian witness to this union as if it is valid, as, as if it's not sinful. And I think that speaks volumes to everybody in attendance. You know, Grandma, who is a known churchgoer, who know everybody knows would oppose this, but she shows up. Well, maybe it's not such a bad thing after all. So I think Alistair Begg is dead wrong on this. And I hope as all of this has come out and many, many more people have had, had many discussions about it. And I know there are people who love Alistair Begg and probably have his ear and are probably having these discussions with him. It is my hope that Alistair will go, you know, that was not maybe my best day. I wanted her to have that ongoing relationship, but maybe I should have found a different way to do that because the more I consider it and the more some of my respected brethren have come to me and talked to me about this, I see the problem and I wouldn't recommend it again in the future. I hope they hear that from him. But what I want to encourage us on is every Christian looking at this, I think rightly looking at it and going, that was wrong and he should never have said that. And boy, I sure hope he changes his mind. I sure hope he repents or whatever. I think that's that's a valid criticism. But let's be careful about our valid criticisms and how far we take them because there were some angry, angry people. And I think it was wise on the part of many people who stepped up and said, um, this idea that you guys are going to go out of your way to cancel uh, Alistair Begg and call him a heretic and, and demand he step down and all this stuff is foolish because here's a man who has demonstrated for decades his faithfulness. And on this one issue, on this one instance on this one issue, he said something that we all agree is wrong. You know, and, and I think that's wise. I think people needed to be um, corrected and, and reproved on that. I think there is an angry part of Christian Twitter that sees any disagreement with what it believes is valid and true uh, just needs to be scorched earth response. And it's that's really sad. Um, I recognize that we have seen what compromise does in the Christian church. We've seen uh, that uh, a, a journey of a thousand miles in the wrong direction started with one step. Um, but we also have to show this is what, and I've been arguing this for a long time now. Balance is key in what we do as Christians. We have a habit of being very, very imbalanced. We look at what those who have compromised have done and the pragmatism and the rejection of the word of God and the unwillingness 
to be corrected and you know we see all of that and how it's wrecked the evangelical church at large and we go we've got to we we've got to put a kibosh on this okay fair i i get that but you need to remember that this man has been a pastor for decades decades faithfully serving his church and this is one instance in which we go hmm that's not good. I think what that would, what we should do is number one, we should be praying for Alistair Begg because uh, we sh- we should be concerned that he would be willing to think that this was an acceptable idea, but praying that the Lord would open his eyes and go, don't recommend that again, don't do that again, and and maybe speak to that issue in your church and say, you know, I talked about this and this is what I said, but in in retrospect, I look at it now and I've talked to the grandmother and. That's bad advice. I wouldn't recommend it again. We can pray for him on that. Number two, just be watchful. Today, it's one issue. And if it's only the one issue we ever see, then it's a bad decision. It was bad advice. And he doesn't. He hasn't done it again. He's, he continues to speak out against uh, you know, these vile, evil sins in our culture. So... I'm going to I'm just going to let this one go and leave it in the hands of God. And I think that's one thing we need to remember is we there are, there are times it's acceptable to go this is in God's hands. Um I said my piece, but I'm going to leave it in God's hands and move forward. I, I think that's an acceptable uh, answer as well. But we be watchful because the journey of a thousand miles does begin with one step. If next week, next month, later this year, he says something about you know, oh, uh, you know, I, I've many times spoken against uh, homosexuality, but, you know, one of the things we've never really done is we've never really here at this church acknowledge how badly we treat homosexuals. Whoa, time out. You know, we've heard that language before. We've seen people compromise, right? Now, he's not done this. I suspect he never will. He's never demonstrated a propensity before. before. But if he were to say that, then we might go, well, we're starting to see something that concerns us here. Right um, now, we've got to start being more vigilant. Now we've got to be more concerning. But I would tell you right now, there's no reason to consign Alistair Begg to outer darkness. There is no reason to reject anything he's written, anything he's taught, to treat him as if he should be divorced from everything uh, within the evangelical church or anybody that's uh, from you know from reformed uh, con- you know confessional uh, Christian beliefs. Uh, I don't think we need to cut ties with him. I don't think we need to warn people off from him. I think we should go, that was concerning, and we need to pray for him, and then just be watchful. You know, I think that's the wisest counsel I can give. Um, but, you know, not like I, Alistair Begg will ever hear this, but it would be my genuine hope if he ever hears from any of us that he repudiates what he says, he said, that he gives it more consideration. And and, and I believe he's an, he is an intelligent man. He is a thoughtful man. I have no reason to believe that he didn't like seriously think through these issues. I have no reason to believe that before he said that, uh, in that, in that audio or the video, I can't, um, I heard it from an audio, but, um, I don't know if there was a video to it or not. It almost sounded like an interview, like a, a, a end of a podcast, you know, like if you grace to you has these introductions where they talk to John MacArthur at the beginning or sometimes at the end, I think it almost sounded like that. Like they're, they had played the daily podcast from the sermon or whatever. And then there's this part where he's being interviewed at the end. That's what it sounded like to me. I, I could be wrong, 
Um, or maybe it was from a Q&A, I'm not sure. Uh, but the whole point in that is, is that he went into that and he said that, and I, I believe he did so thoughtfully. Be- and the reason I say that is I keep coming back to what the one part I don't hear anybody talk about, which is the question that he asked the grandmother. Does your grandchild know your objection? Know what you believe? Know where you stand? Okay. They know that. They're expecting you not to show up. And to, in that in that person's mind, if you don't show up, what it would do is just confirm to them that you're mean or you're bigoted or hateful. So my recommendation is to go and bring a present because that connects, that that maintains that connection of love. And I'm I'm paraphrasing because I believe that's what he was getting at. So, what's Chris's answer to that? How would you deal with it? Well, this is my two cents from a guy who just had, runs a podcast. I believe when you are dealing with a loved one who um, has rejected God and who is living in sin, that you cannot support anything that would in and of itself be an affirmation of their sin, right? So if you have a child, uh, um, a cousin, an aunt, an uncle, whatever, who professes to be homosexual and they're about to get married to their the love of their life and they invite you. I don't believe you can go because it would be an affirmation of a sinful union. Um, you can't support that because in their eyes they're going, oh, I've got this Christian to acquiesce and say that what I'm doing is okay. So now it invalidates everything you've ever said to this person about their lifestyle. That being said... Um, I'm going to take it a little bit of a nod from a, a good friend of ours, Matt Slick from Carm. He had uh, set, said something about, to this effect on a, his radio show some time ago, and I thought it was pretty good advice. Uh, let's say you have Christian neighbors next door, or you're, you're a Christian you, and you have neighbors next door who are homosexual. Um, his thing was, you know, if they move into the neighborhood, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go over and introduce myself. I'm going to talk to them. Uh, might bring them a goodie basket. If, uh, you know, if I'm at the store and that, you know, they need something, I can pick it up for them. Uh, if, uh, you know, one of them got in a car accident and the neighbor needed to be taken to the hospital so they can meet them there, I take them. Um, what was he doing? He's showing basic respectful behavior, neighborly loving behavior to two people. He didn't treat them as though they were the neighborhood uh, lepers to be avoided. He was talking about showing loving, helpful behavior that he cares about them as people, even though these are people living in a sinful lifestyle. So you've got someone who's, um, you know, uh, a child, uh, uh, you know, aunt, uncle, cousin, whatever it may be, and they've moved in and and are living in a homosexual relationship. Okay, I'm not going to help you move. Um, I'm not going to attend the wedding. But this person calls you one day and they're sick as a dog and they need a ride to the hospital. Are you going to leave them there and say, sorry, I can't support you because you're in this sinful lifestyle? No, a loving thing to do would be to come and get them and take them to the hospital, right? So there are ways in which um, we can show loving kindness and maintain a relationship with a loved one without affirming their sin. And I believe that would have been the better way 
uh, to present that issue. I, I, I think Alistair was just wrong. He should not have made that recommendation. I think I understand what he was trying to go for. And I can understand why someone might think that's a, a really good way to do it because it's maintaining that that bond uh, between family members. But I think it is an even though you're not doing that as an, an, an intent to affirm their sinful lifestyle, you've lended your Christian faith by your appearance there to that wedding. And I say that with, with air quotes to those listening. And I think it shows affirmation, which we cannot do. We cannot even have an appearance of ungodliness. And I think we just need to keep that in mind. So... So, okay, so that is this week's show. I hope those two things have been helpful to you. Again, uh, just going to ask you to bear with us for the next couple weeks. Hopefully we can get through uh, this little bump in the road. Um, you know, Like I said, I, if I can get some uh, some friends on or, or folks to interview, uh, I, would, I would love to have you or have them on because I really hate to make you guys listen to me for over an hour. <laughs> just me talking. Um, but it may be solo for a little bit. Uh, as I said, no major chaos in the story, uh, family lives, but family always comes first. And so I've, uh, you know, that's what we're going to do with rich is let him and his family take care of the things that they're facing right now. And just ask that you keep them in your prayers. And then, uh, if you have thoughts about the show, if you have questions, comments, concerns, I'm going to ask you to give us an email. Uh, you can shoot it to us right at voiceofreasonradio at gmail.com. Or again, you can go to slavetothekeng.com and uh, use the contact us link. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. If this show is beneficial to you, I haven't said this in a while, if this show is beneficial to you, I would like you to consider maybe whatever podcast uh, app you use, if there is a the ability to leave a review, consider doing that. Now, I don't see literally any of the reviews except maybe Apple um, only because I happen to use the Apple native podcast app on my phone for listening to other stuff. And so if I, if I'm looking at our podcast, I might see the reviews there anywhere else. I'm not seeing them. So this isn't for our, uh, our own ego purposes and it doesn't do anything to boost ratings. What it does do, however, it's like when you go on to, say, Amazon or Walmart.com or Target. Well, Target, we won't talk about. They're anathema, right? We don't talk about Target. But whatever website you go to to buy a product, you know, Best Buy or whatever, you look at their product reviews to help you know if that's a good product. Well, reviews for podcasts help other listeners looking for something to listen to. Uh, it gives them... Uh, an idea of what to expect. So if you like the show, if you hate the show, whatever it is, uh, consider leaving a, a podcast review. want to remind you that this is now something we're starting to do more of. And I did a test on this. I might be able to do this where Rich and I are both have a video format on YouTube. However, <laughs> what you'll see is Rich's static image. Um, we've talked about this before. I, number one, I don't think Rich really likes being on camera, but number two, they're, their uh, internet coverage down there, they don't have hardline. So even if Rich wanted to do that, he's kind of limited to his cell phone and the uh, the local cell network, which with AT&T can always be fun. Uh, so uh, we've worked it out. I, I've kind of figured out how to, and I'm going to have to change the settings on my, uh, my OBS program here to make it work again. 
but where it would be the both of us uh, on uh, being recorded through uh, this this video program and creating both a uh, uh, audio and video version of the program. So that to that end, when we originally started using YouTube more, that wasn't envisioned because you know we those logistical issues, but we might be able to overcome them. And so. If you are someone who likes to watch video a little bit more than just listen to audio, I'm going to encourage you to go to our YouTube page and subscribe to that uh, to there because that's going to help you um, be able to find us when we drop a new episode. And if you are someone who are is watching on YouTube, I haven't said this yet, but if you like the show, there's a like button down there. Hit that. Uh, and to steal from Keith Foskey because I think it, this is brilliant. If you don't like the show, hit the down uh, the thumbs down twice. Okay, just make, hit it twice. Uh, <laughs> but wherever, whatever format you're listening to, if they have the ability to leave comments, again, that's not so much for us. Um, if you leave a comment, I, that's great. I, you know, I would love to see hear what you have to say. Um, but I'm more thinking that this would be helpful to people who watch the show. Um, and that would, you know, so if you're watching on YouTube, you can leave a comment there. I think the only other way to leave comments for the podcast is if you use the Podbean app, which is who we host through. Uh, through the Podbean app, you can leave comments. Or if you want to, you can go to the slavetothekingcom website and leave a comment under the um, appropriate episode there. Because there, it's basically a blog version uh, of of everything and there is the ability to comment there. So again, I'm not necessarily looking for you guys to give us a pat on the back with all those. I think it's just ways that can be help others who are interested in maybe what podcasts to listen to. Oh, look, these people have said these things about the episode. They found that helpful. They found it useful. They had questions. They, this is being engaged. So those are things that I would encourage you to do if you so, uh, if, if you so desire, um, a couple final things. Uh, if you want, certain things to be covered here again email us and if you are interested in supporting the show we do have a patreon page um we've got a couple of folks who help us kind of just keep a little of the bills paid um you know but i i always say number one take care of your local church first take care of your family first take care of your bills first and if you are in a position where you want to help and have the ability, then between you and the Lord, figure out if you want to do that. But you can go to the Patreon page, and all of that is found at the Slaves of the King website. You can find it there, too. Um, but those are just some things that if you want to support the show, would be helpful to the show. Those are ways that you can do that. Um, the biggest thing is to always be in prayer for us because <laughs> we have families, and they have to put up with us. <laughs> and, uh, and, and then they have to give up their time a little bit with us in order for this to happen. Now... The future of the show. Hopefully, we'll be able to do more of what we're doing here with the video, get this out a little bit more. Um, this is something that Rich and I have talked about. Even though I am retired, I'm no longer in law enforcement, I still have to pay my own bills. And so I have to go back to work um, because my retirement only covers a certain portion of what I originally got paid, which is a fair amount, but I still have to round out that. And so the job that I'm currently getting involved with, it once... I get through this current transitionary period, it looks like they're going to have me working about five days a week. So we will do our dead level best to keep this at a weekly program. If it looks like that, that might be difficult to do. We will let you know. I only want to put that out there because it has been a concern for me. Um, the previous job in my law enforcement, I was fortunate enough to work a 410 shift, which meant I was off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 
Now I'm going to be down to Saturday to Sunday, and Sundays obviously are going to be very busy days because we go to church, and then we help out with fam- uh, a family member in uh, in town, and so that keeps uh, you know Sundays out of the loop for recording. Uh, where right now, if I can't record, like this is a Monday, uh, we had hoped, Rich and I had hoped to maybe try to record this weekend, but circumstances prevented him. So I waited till today to, to put this out. Once I am back on that full-time shift, that could change some things. So the availability is going to be uh, a bit more restricted. So we'll let you know if there's going to be any necessary changes. Um, but I wanted to put that out there now because... Uh, I, I hate dropping a bomb on you guys uh, at the last second. Uh, be in prayer for that prayer that the Lord would you know still make it possible to where we can record these weekly and we don't miss anything. And uh, we we just want to keep being a blessing to you as much as we can. All right, folks. Well, I actually went a little bit longer than I thought I would with these two topics. I hope they were helpful to you. I hope they are a blessing to you and help you think through matters biblically and uh, give you something to chew on as we go into these these issues uh, each day and each week. So with that said, I want to thank you guys. God bless you. May your week be a week where you are spending time uh, doing the work of God, conforming yourself to the image of Christ, studying the word, finding someone who needs to hear the gospel and sharing it with them. And whatever you do this week, do it for the glory of God. God bless you guys, and we will see you next time.